Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Coach's Corner. I'm Coach Andrew Poretz from Ingenuity Coaching. I help people discover and fulfill their passions and greatness. My mission to inspire and challenge you to dream big dreams and with my coaching, help you to manifest those dreams into reality. You can visit my website at myfuturecoach.com and follow me on Twitter at Coach Andrew. If you're listening live and you have a question, the phone number here in the studio is 646-929-2893. You'll be able to listen to the show on the phone, and if you press number one, I'll know you have a question. We also have a live chat room right on the show page where you can feel free to join in. My guest tonight is Sarah Rapard, the creator, executive producer, and host of a new television talk show called Being Mom with Sarah Rapard, an entirely different TV talk show hybrid. She's also the author of her upcoming book, Leading Edge Parenting, Nine Steps to Consider Before Becoming a Parent, a simple yet profound parenting perspective containing nine chapters of thought-provoking questions that challenge, empower, and transform individuals to gain a deeper understanding of themselves and their partner as they begin their sacred journey of being parents. You can learn more about Sarah at www.beingmom.tv. Sarah, are you with me? Yes, I am, Andrew. Thank you so much. It's such an honor to be here. Well, it's an honor to have you. (laughs) And I, I see you brought your Bronx accent with you. Oh, you know, one has to fake an accent. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's the one I'm stuck with, although my relatives in England would say I've become ever so Americanized. So, oh, oh, ever and so, I say, eh? Ever so, yes. And I say, what's wrong with that? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Welcome to my world, see? Oh, you see? <laughs> yeah. So being mom, this is um, now this is an unusual situation for me because usually yes. when I have somebody who has a book or about to have mm-hmm. a book, I usually get at least a peek at it. I get some chapters. I get to read. I usually read every word that somebody has written before I have them on right. my show because I want to be able to have a conversation about their book from the point of view of somebody who has read it. So I can't do that because you it's not ready, and, I, right. I, and I and I and I'm okay with that. Well, I think what I can share with you tonight will give uh, your listeners and, of course, yourself quite an insight into what the book will uh, be discovering for people who are thinking of becoming parents. And quite honestly, it's not really just for parents. It's really um, it's really for every human being on the planet because the questions that are posed in the book are there to inspire the highest plane of, I think, where we want to go as global citizens. Um, So our conversation tonight will definitely highlight many of the points that will be in the book itself. Hmm, okay. Great. So I'm hoping that somebody will walk away from this thinking, I need to read that book when it comes out. That that's what that's what I'm hoping. That's what and, I'm and, hoping. And, and do you have a uh, do you have a target date for that to happen? Uh, well, we're hoping by the end of the year, and so um, you know it's uh, it's been quite a process, as anyone who has ventured <clears throat> to write a book could attest. And uh, um, you know it's it, it because we're obviously we're launching our show at the same 
time. Mm. And so there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. And and actually, it's been kind of... I, I do believe that... Um, that the universe gives us signs, and if we pay attention to them, hopefully we can gain a better understanding of what we're doing and where we're going. And I think, um, I think actually building the show, which we're going to talk about as well, has mm-hmm. helped to inform me better as as an author and as a translator of some of the information I'm going to be writing in the book. So, in a way, it was uh, it was a blessing in disguise not to rush the production of the book. Um, and and I think the uh, the the audience or the readers will get uh, a better, more textual insight into what I'll be discussing and bringing up uh, with with leading edge parenting, the nine steps mm. to consider before becoming a parent. Right. Now I may not be a parent, but you can see right through me. <laughs> well, I think I think uh, what's really interesting about being mom, and it's uh, you know being mom with yours truly with Sarah Rippard, uh People have asked, you know, why what would make this a relevant show, and what is it that you're going to be showing us that maybe we couldn't read in a bunch of magazines? Mm-hmm. Um, well. You know, we're not trying to. Being mum is not really here to solve the world's problems in terms of thinking. You so we sort of have this godlike uh, uh, platform. However, it is going to be really interesting and relevant to the lives of all people, regardless of whether they are parents or not, because mm-hmm. it's really about shifting the way we evolve on a daily basis. And um, I love what my husband sort of coined. It's really a parenting philanthropy that we're going to be giving as as we really seek to shift an evolutionary parenting paradigm shift that affects everyone. Because when you think of when you think of the lives of every human being, mm-hmm. every human being on this planet lives their lives acts out their choices as a direct result of how they were parented, the environment they were raised in, you know, which really sets in motion the programs of how our brains become wired up mm. now. And what we're going to be doing on, you know, uh, on being mom is to be able to give the tools, the perspective and the equation of, you know, why is it that I do what I do? Why is it that I think the way I think? Some of it serves me, some of it doesn't serve me. And I think what I have found in my experience when I've been listening to a lot of um, different groups of people who are struggling with certain ideas and ideals every day is mm-hmm. this idea that sometimes they feel they're crazy and they can't figure out what it is. And they actually don't connect the dots one by one that go back to the root of A, their birth story, how they were conceived, what their initial first seven years of life were really like. Mm-hmm. And what's really astonishing with this, you know, when you look at the deep impressions that that are left in ourselves, you know, we all learn lessons from our early years. Mm-hmm. But sometimes what we don't recognize is the immense trauma that is left in the cells of our very being, the very biology, the very neurobiology that we're learning so much more about the brain and how it works and how our early experiences impact us. So with being mom and what I'm going to be talking about in the book as well is that it's not about, it's not about perfection. 
It's about striving to better our lives. It's about striving to better our understanding of where we are so we can live the most fulfilled life, not just with our children, but with a partner, in a friendship, Mm -hmm. with our parents. I mean, you can go on and on and on. So what I found in my experience as I've talked with hundreds and just thousands of different people as I've uh, been connecting the Being Mom community and the audience is that a lot of times we think we have a problem um, and, of course, we try to understand it. And sometimes what I found is missing is that there is an absolute um, part of our being that does not directly relate it to a trauma that we may not necessarily remember right now. Mm. So if you think you're crazy, um, you're not making it up. I mean, there might have been something that may have happened to you earlier on that you may have either put in your subconscious, you may have covered it up because, you know, we all deal with trauma in different ways. So what this show is accessing, what Being Mom is going to access, is to be able to give you the tools. And I actually think... Um, and we call it, you know, preconce- we're talk- going to be talking about preconception and uh, pre and perinatal psychology, which is what's happening in the womb when we're being formed and also what's happening even before that. So really, we become parents <coughs> or we become um, self-regulating, balanced human beings before we ever have children. So when you look at a child that's been, say, raised in an abusive home um, or you look at a child that's been raised in a more optimal environment, they're already forming their impressions of the world. And if they do go on to have a productive life, hopefully, you know, that's the wish for every human being. Or if they go on to be parents, we are seeing the formation already of how their choices, actions, and behavior are going to be playing out for the rest of their lives. Right. Now, this is not to say we get stuck in a trauma. Sometimes it can be that for many people. They just, for whatever reasons, never seem to either seek the help, the guidance, or be able to have the ability to um, hopefully evolve from whatever situation they're in. So this is not about saying, well, I didn't have an optimal childhood, so does does that mean I'm damned? Does that mean I'm doomed? Mm -hmm. Absolutely not. Because what we've learned about the brain and how it's wiring up, and it's called, they're, they're called mirror neurons, and obviously these mirror neurons are extremely powerful when uh, we're wiring up at a very early age, in the womb, in the first seven years, and in our you know, formative uh, years as, as teenagers. But that doesn't mean that it stops there. These mirror neurons are very powerful because we can make conscious choices to shift how we behave with, you know, repetition, being in a certain environment, being around a community that supports the desires and the choices we want to make. And that's what we're going to be talking about on Being Mom. I mean, okay. and I think, what what's going to be really uh important to to note here is that uh we're not just focusing on on mothers we're focusing on on men as well we're going to be really looking at how our societies function in their separate roles um because we have in my ever so humble opinion hmm. i think the voice of the father 
even though it's called, don't be fooled that it's called being mom. Um, the operative word here is really the being aspect. I'm mm. just the vessel of the information because the being is really uh, being used as an adjective and not as a verb. So it's being mom, being dad, being superhero, being entrepreneur, being all these many different roles. And when we talk about roles, one of the things we're going to be um, actually going into rather heavily is the role of the male, the role of the father. Um, when we look at studies that are being done and have been done for the last 15, 20 years, it's, it's really shocking uh, of the transformation of what a lot of our men are going through, right. whether they're fathers or not. And so we're going to be focusing, you know, the essential roles and pressures of men and fathers and the difficulty they have relating to their children. And why is this happening? You know, because every aspect of a child's life, male or female, every aspect spills into our everyday society. So, you know, what was once a child will become an adult. Of course. And so, of course, right? And so what kind of adult are we are we bringing into the world? Um, how are they self-regulating? Mm -hmm. And we're really going to be honoring the voice of the man and the fathers. Uh, we're going to be working well, with Well, as a man, I am very, very happy to hear that you are going to be yes. including us. In your show, Absolutely. I would like to ask you also, uh, you know, before we get too far, because I've been really wanting to ask this for for a little bit. But w could you give yeah. me a little bit about your background and what what brings you? Like, what? How did you get to to all this stuff? What's you know, where's your knowledge yeah. base? Absolutely. Well, I come from a four generation of a performing family, and also a social activism family. Mm -hmm. So. Um, uh, on my Maltese side, which is on my father's side, uh, and on my mother's side too, they were all involved in nursing and caring for mentally uh, sick patients. Um, and my father, actually, and my grandmother on my father's side, they were ra rather instrumental in changing the laws of how we look at mental illness. So I grew up, grew up around this energy. Um, and also, too, when I was nine years old, I knew I wanted to be a mother. I didn't know mm -hmm. when. I didn't know how. I also was the product of um, a not-so-pleasant divorce. So when you go through a divorce, you really witness yourself outside of yourself, in a sense. Um, and I thought, this just doesn't feel right. Why is this happening? Um, and sort of not to get too uh, sort of spiritually based in all of this, I felt that there was something bigger about how we are in relation to children and our parents. And we have our histories, and I come from quite a, a variety of different um, cultural influences. So I saw parenting and human behavior from quite extreme cultures, and it became my passion to understand, and also I wanted to self-evolve. Right. I wanted to say, this cannot be it. You know, I don't believe we're put on this planet just to suffer. Mm -hmm. um, and so there began my intense, intense study of bettering my own psyche, my spiritual path became uh, the cornerstone of really how I live my life. I'm not a religious person, but I believe in uh, truth-seeking. 
um, and uh, I have read so many different books. I think I'm sure that myself and your listeners, we probably have some of the same people that we're attracted mm-hmm. to as mentors. And um, and I started looking at parent parenting. And what is extraordinary to me is that we live in the world and we spend so much time, for example, looking for a car, researching that, going to a great school, you know, researching a job. Um, maybe, you know, we have a, a, maybe we're preparing for the nursery, for the baby, or, or whatever it is, buying a house, buying a car. But what we don't really do in terms of as a study, to me, is one of the most important subjects, and that is being a parent. Because mm-hmm. whether you are a parent or not, you come from parents. Sure. You've been raised by parents or caregivers who then became your role models as parents. And it's striking to me that it is a discussion that, first of all, I never understood how controversial parenting topics actually are. It is stunning what I've gone through in the last few years. Why do you um, suppose that is? Because I think it brings up an immediate reaction in the person who may be receiving the information that I have somehow failed? Are you saying I'm a bad parent? Mm -hmm. Are you saying that I'm messing, screwing my child up? And you may have, you know, one may have their opinion about that, but if if we could lift the judgment off, and that's why we're creating a very sacred space in in, on Being Mom uh, Mm -hmm. TV show, because I don't want people to... Come in thinking, well, that, that I'm just going to be judged because I'm a bad human being. I'm a bad parent. No, 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 no. I think why it brings up this visceral feeling in some people is because, you know, we conceive, we get pregnant, we have a child. But that doesn't mean that you are equipped with the life tools that it is going to take to be a balanced, nurturing, loving human being parent and so I think there's an incredible amount of defensiveness uh, on the part of of parents who they themselves you know of course as you know this as a coach we have cycles of of uh, our uh, our upbringing of of, of violence of mm-hmm. sexual abuse of I mean being told we're not enough and so I think that's what's that's what gets sparked in um in in the mind and in the hearts of some quote parents who feel that they're under attack and and I actually feel and I know this may be a strong statement but I actually feel that our culture our modern culture and I I'll just speak for America but I think it applies to many other cu- cultures around the world okay. it's almost as though it's already set up to fail us how so as we we are overworked we are we are not allowed to be with our children in the very crucial formative bonding attachment time that we need with our children in order to create almost like an investment imagine like it's a bank account and we're putting in our 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 coins and our you know our dollars as this investment that will pay dividends down the road and when you take away that experience you're left with sort of picking up the pieces along the way down the road and it can be i mean you only need to look at studies of 
high levels of depression in children, the highest that has ever been, you know, documented. You look at um, young children being put on very dangerous prescription drugs that uh, without other solutions being sought out as to what is the root of um, of either the illness, the disease. Uh, you look at how much parents have to work just to survive. Um, you look at how when uh when people do become parents, I mean, people do get this even when they're not parents. If they're single or in a relationship, they get really stressed out just by dealing with the daily grind of life. So you add on top of that, now you're going to have a child or you have a few children. Um, most of the divorces happen in the first seven years of a child's life. Um, the highest statistics actually happen within the first two years. So can you imagine the the layers upon layers of trauma that's happening mm. in that child's life and what is setting the tone for how they receive the world that it's, you know, and again, we're going to be talking about what's happening in the womb. From the first moment that first egg splits, our cells in our body are literally growing or protecting themselves. They are preparing themselves for the world that they're going to come into. Um, and uh, Dr. Marcy Axness, who I know is a, is a, has been a guest of yours yes. and is a brilliant, brilliant woman. She's going to be our resident expert on our show, and she is going to be going into detail as to just how precious this environment is and when in the womb um even in you know even as uh, the baby is born and the first mm -hmm. i mean we we evolve so slowly as a species i mean the first three uh the four to six months after we come out of of a stomach or you know other parts i won't say on radio um <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah we're adults here we can say it. <laughs> Okay. The short brings the, it. Everybody knows. That. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, when we are birthed, we still are not fully formed yet. So mm. there's still another four to six months to be protected. But the reason we have to come out is our brains and our would get so big that it literally wouldn't come out of you know the vaginal canal. So imagine when you look at a pregnant woman and you look at the stress and you look at the whirlwind of society and how it's moving at such a rapid pace. I mean, we are overwhelmed on so many levels. Our brain is still functioning the way it did 40,000 years ago. So mm. imagine, imagine with all the information that we have, with all the overstimulation, and that's one of the big things we're going to be talking about is overstimulation of children so much stress that plays later on in their lives can That's you give me some I examples of that of the overstress of children sure yeah okay i'll give you a couple one of the biggest ones and i'm going through that right now because i have a three and a half year old my husband and i are very very protective of the environment that she is exposed to and there are strong evidence-based reasons for that and one is not to overload her circuitry her brain circuitry mm -hmm. with this whole head start program that you see sweeping across the nation with emphasis on early academic these really abstract concepts that are basically being introduced as early as two years old of getting a child to read that's one example so when you look at the way the brain's developing, 
um, a human being at that age, especially in the first seven years of life, should not be going under all these very complex abstract stress. This is the time when they, you know, we're learning about our world. We're touching, we're feeling, we're, we're learning about the world through our mouth. Mm-hmm. We're crawling, we're, mo- we're in action. That's really that precious first seven years of life. But when you look at what, look, some of my dear friends too, you know, are going through this. When you look at what is reflective in our society, I mean, you only need to walk into a toy store and see like this overwhelming <laughs> array mm-hmm of colors and toys and overstimulation and you see the children just almost looking like they've got these deer in the headlights going and it's too much it's just way too much we over schedule children Mm -hmm. um, and you can see this by the 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 studies that have been done to show just how stressed out children are to a point where even our suicide rates have gone up um between five and um and 18 years old, which is shocking in the last 30 years. You're telling me there are five-year-olds committing suicide? Yes. It's, um, it sounds absolutely horrifying and, and almost as though it's um, science fiction. But they are finding ways. You see, when, when, a spe- when, a human, when the human being doesn't know what to do, it will self-regulate in the only way it knows. It can do that in a healthy way or it can do that in an unhealthy way. Mm-hmm. So what happens is a lot of young children who are under a lot of stress, and by the way, a lot of parents are not going into this saying, I need to stress my kid out. They think they're doing you know, well-meaning stuff. Right. So I want to be very clear about that. But what they don't realize is that too much, too much stimulation, whether it's academics, giving them a 100 choices you know, when they're only three, they're not looking for that. They're looking for balance. They're looking for a calm environment because mm-hmm. they're still discovering. They have this brain that is so, it's so delicate. It's, it's forming itself. So you take a five-year-old who's really overstressed and, you know, some of the, some of these stories, I mean, again, they sound unbelievable, but uh, children self, in a way, self-medicate. They can do that by, um, by uh, going, you know, we produce a lot of cortisol when we're stressed and it's one of the mm-hmm. most toxic chemicals that we produce in our body. So imagine as a human being producing cortisol when we're stressed is bad enough, but can you imagine a tiny little body wow. producing that kind of stress hormones? So uh, violence, aggressiveness, uh, maybe getting access to prescription pills, um, finding destructive ways of how to self-regulate because they just don't know how. I mean, you only need to go to orphanages around the world to be able to see what happens to a child when it is not touched, when it is not stimulated, not overstimulated, mm-hmm. stimulated with attachment, with love. The longer these children get left in the orphanages, especially from birth, the harder it is. Their brains literally shrink because we as a species are really a species that has to be stimulated and nurtured in order for our brains to grow. So if we're not doing that in the early years of working with our children and connecting with our children and really holding sacred their environment to let them be children, can you imagine the effects that we see as adults, which Mm -hmm. end up going to therapists or needing to get, you know, needing to get help? This is a result of so much of that. So, so why why are 
so many people pushing this on children and on parents, I should say, on parents to to push on mm-hmm. their children. Why? I think it's a combination of things, and I won't say I can answer all of that, you know, with a simple answer. But I think there is um, there is profit to be gained mm-hmm. by certain institutions that push certain academic um, uh, systems in place and going earlier, earlier, earlier to get the parents to get involved earlier, earlier, earlier so they can mm-hmm. get them to sign on the dotted line. And there's a lot of money to, that's being made. Um, I also think that there is um, a lack of confidence that a lot of parents feel, even if it's on a subconscious level, to feel like I'm missing out. In fact, uh, Marcy, uh, Dr. Marcy Axnes told me about this. There's actually a phrase, uh, phraseology that the millennials coined called FOMO, which is fear of missing out, fear mm. of missing out. And a lot of parents, as you know, I'm sure we've all heard this, it's um, keeping up with the Joneses. Well, this one's in Little League. This one's got a, a trophy over here. This one's going to an Ivy League school. Okay, we've got to get it earlier. The earlier we get it, the better. That, look, I fell in that trap before mm-hmm. I really started looking at what was happening with the brain of a child, of a human being. I was trapped in there because of my cultural upbringing. I mean, I, you know, I have Indian blood, um, and, I have, and, and I mean, that's all about education. And uh, no surprise, Indian women, funnily enough, are one of the most stressed out people in the world. Mm. And, um, and Indian children go through so much stress with the pressures of early education. I mean, in Japan, you know, there's a lot of suicide among students because they can't take the pressure. So I think that subconsciously and unconsciously, a lot of parents feel they have to do it and don't realize they have a choice to do it. Now, this is where I say sometimes we set our societies up to fail. If you look at the schools that promote a real nurturing environment and respect the brain development of a child that will produce the balanced, self-regulating, thriving human being as an adult, is there are absolutely wonderful programs that do that. You know, Waldorf School is an example of this. Mm-hmm. Not everybody can afford Waldorf. So what do you do then? You're going to send your child to public school. Mm-hmm. And I've actually, um, I've, I've actually worked with the public school system. And, you know, I have to be very careful how I, how I say this. But what I have experienced is a system that is very heavily based on results, which I'm not saying that results aren't a good thing, but sometimes we have to question how we get those results. It's not by any means necessary. I think one of the things I experienced when I was working um, with uh, certain school systems, public school systems, is um, they're just overloaded. They think, well, if we do more tests, if we just get them to learn their ABCs earlier, that'll fix it. But it's it's like this thread in the fabric of life, and you pull one part of it, and the whole blanket starts to sort of unravel. And and it's it's frustrating. It'll take time to develop. I believe shows like being mom and others because 
I know so many people who are going to be on the show who will work in their, in their respective fields, who are the real rock stars of how we're looking at shifting the way we're looking at how we raise children. So I have hope. I have mm-hmm. tremendous hope that this is already in motion. And also with people like yourself who are coaching, who are nurturing, who are, who are there as the, 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 the soft landing for people who need help. I believe that these healing workers, which is the work that you do, the work that I do, and many others who have been on your show and who are out there, I believe this is where it's going to eventually become so mainstream in a way that it's going to turn sort of the, quote, traditional systems, whether it's education or, um, you know, child rearing, it's going to turn it on its head and it's going to open up a whole other paradigm of how we're looking at what it really takes to build a peaceful society, what Mm -hmm. it takes to build and, and, and raise a balanced, thriving human being. Because when you look at um, at what's being discussed, and I'm talking about mainstream television, and I want to also let your audience know that we are going to be independently producing our television shows and distributing them nationally and internationally. And the reason we're going this way, it's a harder way, and I would love to be able to then you know, share with your audience what we would really love your help and support with. Sure. Um, and uh, is that these topics that we're going to be discussing they're just not being talked about on a mainstream level, mainstream television level, you know. But this is the cornerstone when we when we talk about these problems that we're having. The cornerstone of why society is the way it is is because of the trauma is not being addressed. And it's so much easier sometimes to stick a bigger Band-Aid on it instead of taking the Band-Aid off Go inside that festering wound and go underneath and, and clean from the very bottom and try to purge. You know, and that's why when you look at our society, we sort of have, you know, the Zuckerberg, so to speak. Mm-hmm, sure. And then we have the tragic scenarios of the Sandy Hooks of the world. Mm-hmm. You know, two human beings that had very different outcomes in many different ways. And it's, it's a tragedy when when our when our human beings don't make it you know when we do see these um just awful headlines in the news and we want to get to a place you know where the brain it's a very complex computer so we want to get to the heart of how are we installing programs what is the process of, of uninstalling the programs when they no longer serve us it's all about uploading and downloading and sometimes we get viruses so how do we go well, and clean yeah, well, what those do you viruses do? You, I mean, you're mentioning Sandy, Sandy, uh, Sandy Hook, and yes. you're talking about like there's a, there's this guy, this young guy who did this horrible thing. Right. right. Uh, but what could have? I mean, I don't know what could have helped a guy like that. It, it sounded like he was like damaged from the beginning. Mm-hmm. It's it's possible there could have been a lot of damage then. Of course, I can't speak to it as an authority because I don't know his case history. But what mm-hmm. I can say is. I believe, and I believe the people who are going to be um, the experts coming on Being Mom believe, that as a society, we can have much more compassion and empathy, and we can do a lot of preventative measures when we understand how the brain develops, because and I'm sure you you know this with the work that you do, as Mm -hmm. a human being, the way our brains are set up, if we 
are raised, first of all, I'm not talking about neurological damage to the brain itself. I'm talking about, well, that's a huge part of it because that could be part of that too, you know, for people like like this gentleman, the young young gentleman. Um, And when we look at, for instance, let me give you an example. Even before the Grecian times, when the army wanted to raise uh, the warriors, soldiers, they would absolutely consciously separate a baby from its mother as soon as it was born. They mm-hmm. separated it immediately. Yes. They they knew that back then. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of scary, okay? Mm-hmm. Because they knew what happens 45 minutes after a child is born. There is an absolute orchestra dance that happens between the hormones of mother and child. And a lot of them, that times that gets cut and separation occurs. So when you're looking at the brain, you're looking at um, the frontal lobe, you're looking at the neocortex, which is the front of the brain where, you know, we develop empathy, compassion, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, multilateral thinking. And then you go over to the back of the brain and, and you think, wow, that's where our reptilian brain is. And that's all about fight or flight. That it's mm-hmm. all about responding to our environment. So studies have been done to show that when you look, literally look at some of the brain maps of, of people who have committed some of the most heinous crimes um, or who live in cultures of war, their reptilian brain is big. It's bigger than their neocortex, their front, those mm. frontal lobes. Um, And I think if we understand that, and and we're going to make it incredibly accessible, when people really understand that, they, like, I cannot walk around right now, and I'm telling you this, Andrew, in all seriousness, I literally cannot stop looking at people's brains and wondering what parts of their brains uh, are leading them, uh, or what parts of their brains are bigger, smaller. That's so funny. yeah, I know, right? I I was in uh, Target the other day, and I couldn't help myself because I saw this. Um, I saw somebody arguing with somebody else, and then in another aisle, I saw this woman like yelling at her kid, and I was literally picturing almost like an animation of her, the back of her reptilian brain like pulsing. <laughs> That's <laughs> because, so funny. Uh, yeah, and, and even while I didn't like what I experienced while, by witnessing it, I had more compassion. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean I like it. But I had more compassion. And I think if we have more compassion, then we can go to understanding. Then we can say, oh, my Lord, I don't want that. I don't want that. What can I do? What can I do? How can I change things? How can I shift my behavior, right. shift my language to make things happen in a more evolved manner? Mm. By the way, you'll never see me on a beach saying, hey, look at the brains on her. <laughs> I well, just maybe thought I'd let you know. With that. Another B. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> oh, those are that's what I call a set of brains. There you go. Okay. Hey, yeah, that's funny. I like that. I like Thank that. you. I just oh, that's where my mind. My, I, I was also thinking. I don't know if you ever seen the movie uh, Defending Your Life with Albert Brooks. Yes, I have. And in this afterlife, where everybody uh, knows the exact percentage of brain they use. And they use it as a sort of uh, ego thing. Oh, I use 54% yeah. of my brain. Right, yeah. right, right. 
Right. Uh, no, it's 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 astonishing. No, it's it's really astonishing what we do. And no, it's really interesting. And and this is why I'm I'm excited to to get people to come and and support us because we need this kind of programming. We need this kind of programming because it's you know we're going to be having coaches like yourself come on the show and talk. I mean this this subject is so loaded on so many different levels, and that's why you know we want. We want people to come, and may, may I share what we would really love help with right now? Absolutely. Okay. Um, we would love people, and I don't know if you be, I think you said you might be able to create a link for us. Um, I, I, I have love, done so. Oh, that's fantastic. I would love people to go to um, our, um, our beingmom.tv beingmom.tv, which I believe you put in your on your uh, show uh, mm-hmm. description. It's on the show page. And yes, and come and support our Indiegogo campaign. We are raising uh, some money to be able to. We actually have an extremely conscious company who are going to get us the big dollars with appropriate sponsors who are going mm-hmm. to be funding the 26 episodes that we're going to be doing for the first season, which are one-hour episodes. Then we're going to be distributing this nationally and then internationally. So we need help to raise the initial retainer fee um, to be able to do this. And we would love all the help and support. We're also reaching out to um, a, a, a few uh, celebrity conscious mothers and fathers uh, because, you know, we need the push behind us and I think what makes this such um, an investment for everyone not just parents is because imagine when you go to work and you have that co-worker who's not particularly very friendly or makes your life mm-hmm. a living hell you have to wonder what was going on what was going on earlier that led that person to be the person that they are today because what people don't truly understand is when you are a parent and you're parenting your children, your choices actually affect three generations down the road. So you're creating a parenting legacy, you know, of how you're preparing people to become adult people. And that's why I say this permeates every aspect of our society. And that's why, you know, we are doing this independently, even though it will be on national and international television. Mm -hmm. We are building from the community up and from the outside in. Because one of the things that I – and I come from an entertainment background, so um, I know how it works. I I do know how it works. And um, I don't want the – the content of this show to be liquefied and diluted to a point where the real golden nuggets are not going to come through. Um, You know, we are going to have a lot of different topics, some really heavy, serious topics, but also incredibly inspirational and transformational in every area of human life that you can imagine because it's all connected. It's all connected. If you're an uncle, if you're a grandfather, if you're a man who, you know, a young man who's going to become a man, I mean, Mm -hmm. from an auntie to grandparents who are raising their children and the stress of them and how it's affecting our society. So, you know, we really want people to, again, come to um, our Being Mom TV. You'll see an Indiegogo link, which is um, our funding platform, Indiegogo link, which um, I know you have the 
the the the, the short link for, and be be able to support us. And l- literally for as little as ten dollars, I mean, we go from ten dollars to twenty five hundred dollars. Um, it can make a huge difference. And what I'm really excited to say is that um, Dr. Marcy Axness um, is supplying and gifting because everyone who makes a donation gets a gift. Um, is gifting the contributors with her amazing, amazing um, authority, calming authority for mothers. Mm -hmm. You know, um, she's doing a unique seven-step parenting tool, um, and she's going to be... uh, I think another one she's doing is, uh, you know, speaking to your child's subconscious. So she's basically giving the audience or the contributors her magical really inspiring work which I'm so excited about because people just are not talking like this on a mainstream level and that's what makes this so exciting so you know whoever's listening to this show right now this show is about you it's about stories of inspiration and empowerment from everyday people for everyday people well I'm going to give you the uh, the, the little bitly thing I made for you Great! I made you a bitly. I, I, I love just a bitly. Love saying bitly, it sounds like a, like a sounds, really weird little car. Uh, it, you know, it does. Bitly. I used to have a bitly. Like I love a bitly. A bitly. If anybody had no idea what I'm talking about, bitly is a is a site b i t dot l y, and uh, you actually make the site on bitly dot com. But when you make the bitly, it's b i t dot l y slash whatever it is. And then usually there's these short, random strings of, of things, but you can also customize them. And you could take a really long URL with lots of codes and things that you can never possibly pass around, not to mention mention to somebody, and make it sayable and easily disseminatable. And so if you go to Bitly, you could use www, you don't have to, HTTP. You could just say Bitly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash being mom go go oh that's terrific being oh, mom my goodness. go go you just do that it will take you right to the indiegogo for that to that being mom go go wow so now you can actually say it. you can be online in the restaurant hey go to bitly <laughs> you know what bitly is or bit <laughs> dot ly slash being mom go go I love that. I wish I'd known that earlier. My goodness. Well, I, that's what you. That's what you know. My my other my other life is I'm secretly a, 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 a total geek, and I know all this good stuff. I love it. See, and, I love uh, I love that. I love that. I respect you guys so much you. that that your see your brains are working in a whole way that mine does. I res, I appreciate it, but I I, I don't have that talent. Um, uh, oh, and what I wanted to also uh, say and encourage. Uh, your listeners is to when you go to the website or go to the mm-hmm. bitly forward slash being mom go go um, that we have a short two minute video um, and when you watch that you actually see me explain just the impact of what we've already had and what will affect the lives of millions of people across the planet. And uh, I just did a conference with Dr. Marcy Axness at the California Women's Conference with Malika Chopra, Deepak Chopra's daughter. Mm. And the response, because we did it all about, you know, super mom going from sane to centered. And 
the response was so overwhelming because afterwards people would come up to us and say, I never thought about it that way with before. And I even had people come up and say, thank you for making me not feel like I failed. And that I, you know, that it gave them the courage and the incentive to maybe be mindful of the words they use, how they speak to their children, how they speak to their partners, you know, how mm. they speak to their co-workers. Um, just respecting the dignity of another human being. Um, it really just changes your whole biology. When you know better, you do better. And, and just with the work you're doing, you know, it's just, I feel so blessed to have been um, been working and and surrounded by this kind of consciousness. And I realize just how many people out there, unfortunately, are not surrounded by that. Um, because of whatever reasons, maybe well, you know, cultural say, and all that. I, I, I always say, Sarah, that the majority of people in this country, what they, they don't know it, but if you've ever seen the movie The Matrix, yes, most people are in the Matrix. Right, that's right. And they, you know, of course, the people in the Matrix that they don't know they're in the Matrix. This, this is their world. This is their universe. That's this is right. What they know. And this is one of my favorite things: is you don't know what you don't know. Right, right. Uh, and the truth is that uh, unless you knew that there was more possibility than you could possibly even have imagined, you right. may not even care to know about this. But the truth is there are certain people, you and I are in this small group of people who are uh, who have escaped or are escaping from the matrix, and we are finding that there are completely other ways of looking at life and thinking and doing and being that will enable a completely different kind of a world if we can enroll more people into saying that. Absolutely. That's that's exactly right. You hit it right on. And um, And I get so excited when I think about the possibilities and I think about looking at the face of someone. And, and you know, I've spoken to people who are very, very wealthy to homeless. And mm. when you recognize the dignity of another human being regardless of the stuff or lack of stuff and you just go to the heart i'm not saying you know it's about winning every single human being i mean of course you you want that right for the betterment mm -hmm. of society but when you unpeel the layer of the onions and you just connect with the soul with the heart of another human being it is extraordinary what happens and you know our goal with a mission, it's really, this is really a movement, you know, this evolutionary parenting paradigm shift. It's really about unveiling what's behind the stuff. I mean, with the work you're doing, it's the same thing. It's just a different form um, and a different way and the same way, you know, it's all connected. And that's what excites me the most because this can be, you know, it can be very, um, mm. can be a challenging road. Um, you know, you're going against the grain in some ways of uh, a, a mindset where people feel, well, that's just the way it is, and I can't do anything about it. And you're going, no, it's not. And that's why I think, you know, when you think of, say, an Anthony Robbins, you think of somebody in his background. Sometimes I have to pull him as an example because he came from a really not-so-pleasant upbringing. And, no, I talk about and, him all and, the time, by the way, so that's fine. Oh, Oh, okay. Yeah, so, so absolutely. yeah. So, I mean, and you you think about that, and I you, you can sometimes only use an example of someone who's already done it because other people people think you're nuts. You know? 
<laughs> oh, his voice and, is uh, in my head all the time. I mean, he's he's one of my right. role models and heroes. Yeah, he's amazing. I just and when you see the what's possible, and you have to be in an environment like that, and that's why, you know, with being mom, we have to produce this independently. Then, when you gain a certain a, a certain you know leverage or whatever you want to call it, that's different. But to us to be able, because we know what we need to do. We know the kind of people that are going to come on. And I have seen this, and I've witnessed this. When I have seen some of these people go on mainstream, some of the mainstream shows, and I, I want to be very clear about this. I want Being Mom to be as mainstream as possible. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to, uh, you know, that, that suddenly a big network's going to say, oh, yeah, we want to put you on at 5 o'clock. Because first of all, I right. don't know who we are, what's coming, and it's going to challenge them. But when you get the love, the respect, you the you honor the community, that's when you make shift happen. That's yes. when you make change happen. And so that's why I said we're going from the outside in, from the community up. And when when you surround yourself in that environment with people like yourself, with the Anthony Robbins of the world, with other great mentors out there, people who are doing the most extraordinary work and people who are going to be on our show, that's when you have hope. And then you say, that's it. I am not giving up. I am not giving up. And for every child that is being born in such destitution and abuse, or you see mothers and fathers who are just not living in a way that is their highest potential, that's why I say, you know what? God, give me the strength. I'm not giving up on these people, and I'm going to keep moving forward. And that's why we need the support of your listeners and you know anyone who's out there um, who can come and help us. Because I'm telling you this, I am not giving up. This is for all of humanity. Whether you're a parent or not, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Absolutely. So, you know, we are, we have like you know, six minutes or so left in the show. Yeah. Uh definitely yeah. like to talk more about like the like dads because we we've touched yes, on it absolutely. a bit. But I'd like to hear more about how how particularly you include dads and what, you know, what you would like to say about. It. I you know, I've I've been involved. Mm-hmm. I'm not a parent, but I've been certainly involved in a lot of uh in, in things involving fathers. Uh I've I've helped yes. with a with a community called Fathering Forum. Um and Beautiful. I Personally, did you know? I was I did a uh, participated in a workshop many years ago, which is a huge foundation of who I am, uh, called the Men's mm. Weekend, in which Beautiful. I got to really understand what my dad's job was as a dad and my job as a son. It really helped me to to have a completely different relationship today with him than I did when I was a young man. So I'd love I'd love to hear some of right. your perspective around that. Absolutely. I love men and I love fathers and um and yes, you know, horrible things happen in life. When you look at the turn of um say you take the industrial revolution, the real role and the myth of male power and I'm not talking about sort of patriarchal systems throughout time. Absolutely they have been there for, for thousands of years. But when you look at the industrial revolution and you looked at what happened after that and you really started to see that children were just not working beside their parents anymore. You know, they were going off to the factories and what have you. There was a real cord that was cut, an umbilical cord between mm-hmm. father and their children. And I heard this expression and it really touched me. And it said that children, they don't get their fathers. 
they get their temperament. They're not really getting their fathers. So the parenting legacy becomes about, am I getting you or am I getting your temperament? When you come home from work and you don't have time, you're stressed out, you're trying to figure out how to pay the bills and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. And so when, excuse me, so when I started looking at you know, how men, the women's movement has grown exponentially. I mean, it has since uh, the the women's movement in the 60s. uh, um, Women's movements have definitely grown in a way that men's movements have not. Dr. Warren Farrell, who wrote the book, The Myth of Male Power, he's an extraordinary man. We had the pleasure of being in his home. He really started the men's men's movement, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, he he talks at length about really this sort of false elude this illusion of thinking that men have power because you know they there is a patriarchal system around the world predominantly but it's not true that doesn't mean that a man is not yearning to be heard um and i think this is a really confusing time for a lot of men because you know women they want their men to be strong but then when he cries they get upset but they want him to be sensitive <laughs> they want him to open the door they want him to let not open it. I mean, it's just so confusing. And also the role of the fathers in their children's lives. And what we mm-hmm. want to do is we want to honor the place of men and honor the place of fathers because at the end of the day, no matter what, I cannot teach a boy how to become a man. That's Only right. a man can do that. And the same, you know, for a girl and a, a woman. But I think sometimes we, when you look at television, we buffoon not when I say we, not me personally, but, you know, television, if you look at the comedies that are on there, they really make men into these buffoons. It's like mother knows best mm-hmm. kind of thing, and they make men look stupid. Yeah. And it's really insulting. I, I really, I'm not I'm, I'm not a fan, and, it, it, and I understand, look, we need to have jokes, we need to have, you know, entertainment, but I think when it's consistently an image that we see of men, it just breaks my heart. But you know, it really gets me. If you look at those TV shows and you look at who's writing them, they're men for the most part. Exactly. They're doing what? They're doing what? what, Again, I think we're all sort of brainwashed to be on on this gerbil wheel to do what works, to do what makes money, to dumb things down. And um, and not to honor who we are, but in order to honor who we are, it requires a major shift. And that's why on Being Mom, we're going to be talking about how essential it is to have the presence of the father in a child's life. How, you know, we're at an epidemic when we see the loss of the role of the father with their children. Mm -hmm. And you see how men, I have seen a room of 350 men of all ages, colors and creeds, who are still living the trauma of not having their fathers there. And nobody's really talking about this. There are some, you know, there are underground groups and there are more independent groups that are talking about this. Um, And Oprah has done some lovely uh, episodes with this too. But in terms of a major cultural shift of how we look at men and how we look at hearing their voice, um, hearing their passion, their needs and their wants, because, you know, a lot of men are scared to come forward too. They don't want to look, you know, uh, as though they're being uh, they're being emasculated, and that's I think right. that's it. I think a lot of men have been emasculated, and I don't want that to be the voice on being mom. And part of me sort of questioned the whole being mom because I don't want people to think it's not about being everyone. That's why you know right. the, the, the operative word is the being. 
And that's what we're going to do on the show. We're going to have groups in. I, I want to go into communities because we're going to have a, a, a studio presence, but a huge part of our show is we're going to be going into communities. We're going to be setting up town hall meetings with various subjects. We're going to be going into institutions and uh, to communities where so, amazing Sarah, things are happening. Sarah, I have to happening. stop you, unfortunately, because sure. we have less than a minute to go. <laughs> okay. We're down okay, to our well, last 40 seconds, come. so everyone, please thank you, Sarah Rapard, so much from Being Mom TV, for being with me tonight. Uh, everyone, the links are on my show page, beingmom.tv is the website. And we will be back here very soon on Coach's Corner. I want to thank everyone for listening tonight. And go thank out you. there and have an amazing week and a great Memorial Day weekend. So thank you again and good night. Good night. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, hello.